I think chat is actually an area where I think brands have been under investing and they have often um, sort of leaned only on the technology and in some cases sort of the bare minimum technology um, and sort of served people in a very superficial way. Welcome to Now Brands Talk. This is a show for leaders who want to close the brand interaction gap and bridge that tricky divide between brands and the people who love them. Let's listen in. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone back to another episode of Now Brands Talk. I am your host today, Ruth Zive, and my guest is Amrita Gurney, Head of Marketing at Float. I am extremely excited to host Amrita today because not only does she have really incredible experience scaling B2B and B2C SaaS companies from 1 million to 50 million, but she is a female marketing rock star in the Toronto tech space, and so she speaks my language. And I'm just delighted that Amrita is here today to talk about a subject very near and dear to my heart, the role that a brand plays as you grow and as you grow quickly. So welcome, Amrita. Thank you so much. Likewise, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Great. Well, before we jump into the Q&A, we always kick off these podcasts with the same question. Um, And I'm always so interested to see what the answer is going to be because lately we've been getting lots of different answers. There was a stretch where we were getting some of the same answers over and over again. So I'm curious to see what you have to say. Tell our listeners, what is the best interaction that you've ever had with a brand and what about it was so special? Yeah, there's a few that come to mind, but one that was a real standout was several years ago, I had booked a trip home to Newfoundland for Christmas. This is quite a while ago. I was single on my own, really looking forward to getting back home. And just a few days before, maybe a week before, I ended up having emergency surgery. And so I booked this trip with WestJet and I forgot to cancel my flight. And I only remembered maybe an hour or two after the flight had already taken off, which is typically a no-no for canceling flights. So I called them up. I explained what happened. And the first person on the phone said, you know, I'm really sorry, but we can't give you a refund. It's past, you know, when the flight took off. And because I think I was still recovering, uh, my voice started to shake. I didn't get upset, but I was feeling really overwhelmed and probably a little emotional. And so I thanked her. I hung up the phone. And then 20 minutes later, the phone rings and this woman called me back and she said she felt so bad about my situation. And she talked to her supervisor and they were able to rebook me on another flight at a time when I had fully recovered from my surgery. So really thought that they went above and beyond to take care of me when they didn't have to. Wow. I love that example for two reasons. One, that WestJet is getting some love um, on the other side of this pandemic, especially. Um, later on, I'm going to ask you, what is the worst interaction that you've had with a brand? And uh, airlines have been called out repeatedly on this podcast. So it's great to hear that you had such a wonderful experience with them. The other thing I love is that you're, what you're really calling out is empathy. And I think that when people interact with brands, you know, feeling heard and feeling understood is uh, so much of what they expect these days. And uh, I think, you know, what you've shared is a really great example of that. Um, So love that. Uh, Let's jump into our topic, though, um, because we've got a lot of ground to cover. um, And uh, I know you have really interesting perspective. So in a previous discussion, you explained that conversations are part of a company's brand. 
I certainly agree with this. Uh, but tell our listeners, what do you mean when you say that? Well, I think that essentially brand and conversations in particular are any interaction between people in a company and people outside the company. And I think this is a real departure from probably the earlier days of marketing, certainly when brand was something that the company shaped and pushed out to their audience. Now I think of brand as reputation and so much of your interactions with customers now happen through conversations, through any number of channels. And I think this is very much the way in which people perceive brands now. Obviously, I agree, given where I work. Um, but I love what you've called out, this this sort of, this idea of um, reciprocity, that it's more of a dynamic relationship versus, you know, brand being something static that a company pushes out uh, one way. Um, so I love how you've framed that. Um, we talk a lot at Ada, where I work, about harmonizing brand with the customer experience. So we're starting to touch on that. By which... You know, you've, you've called out that brand can also be part of the recruitment process and the employee experience as well. Um, I know you have that point of view. We're going to come back to that later. Um, but for now, what are your thoughts on specifically how these conversations or interactions can really make or break a brand's reputation when you think about these different groups of stakeholders? Absolutely. So I think traditionally companies have probably over invested in certain channels like email, for example, as a way to think about their brand interactions and conversations. And when I think about uh, social media, that's probably the next wave of a channel where people are really investing in brand. I see, you know, small businesses, for example, are a really great example of that humanizing of conversations. I get messages from small businesses through Instagram all the time that are really helpful. But what I see, and I know this is probably something you care about a lot, but I think chat is actually an area where I think brands have been under-investing and they have often um, sort of leaned only on the technology and in some cases sort of the bare minimum technology um, and sort of served people in a very superficial way when if you think about it, the, the website of most brands is their front door. And I think there's a huge opportunity for conversations that are happening now through that channel to become very much a rich brand experience and an opportunity to really delight customers. I, I so agree with that. I, in fact, I have this idea. Um, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen and I'll be watching from the sidelines. But I think that the chat experience that exists on websites today is eventually going to be the experience, that websites are going to stop being this sort of static uh, storefront and instead the entire experience will be rich with conversation and dynamic interaction. So instead of being a little bu bubble in the bottom right, you know, the, the website will be that experience. I, I think that's very much in our near future for exactly the reasons that you've highlighted because, you know, it's through conversation and interaction that those relationships are cultivated and, and that the brand is able to be elevated. Um, so, a lot of what we're talking about, though, falls outside the scope of like the traditional brand team. Um, we're talking about, you know, this could touch hiring process or customer support tickets or like you pointed out, social interactions. So in addition, in a digital first world, which is where we're living today, um, 
I think everyone really has to uphold the brand. And, you know, you sit in marketing as I do. So how do you evangelize this um, and the importance of delivering against the brand promise, which you're largely responsi- responsible for communicating and crafting? How do you evangelize that concept cross-functionally in the organization? Yeah, I think it's a great question because in the past, I don't think we realized as marketing leaders that we have a job to do inside the organization as much as we do outside. And I find that brand is misunderstood by a lot of people. It feels like this black box of could mean anything. And so I think it starts with just defining what that is internally and giving examples of how different departments can actually represent the brand. And I have done that in prior roles where I've formally presented to different teams that this is what our brand is. These are our brand pillars. And if you work in customer success or if you work in product or even in finance, these are the ways that what you do can actually uh, shape what our brand is or how our brand is delivered. So I think it really starts there. And one example, if I can share even from Float, which even my early days at Float, something that really blew me away was We had a customer who had just announced a big raise, a company called ShakePay, and our customer success manager, Natalie, went into the float platform and put a banner just for them so that when they logged in, they'd see congratulations on your latest fundraising round. And to me, this is just an example of, again, it was a piece of technology, but a human went above and beyond to really shape that experience. And I think she did so much for our brand and sort of representing who we are as a company, much more than, you know, maybe I would say if I was doing this through uh, a traditional marketing channel. Ah, oh, so much, there's so much good stuff there. I want to unpack that a little bit. Well, first of all, I'm a ShakePay customer, so that oh, example excellent. really resonates with me. Nice. Um, but, you know, you've you've touched on so much there. First of all, how technology can actually be used as a way to interact with your customers and um, reflect your brand values. Like even in product, the example that you've given is like in product, you're leveraging the technology, but there's a human behind it. Um, and, you know, in an unexpected way, what you're doing is reflecting those brand values with your customers. You're carrying those forward unexpectedly and in a really personalized way. I love that example. Um, okay, well, let's let's keep going because I think that this is getting super interesting. Why do you – what's happening when companies are not doing this? How are they falling down? Well, I think that companies spend so much money – trying to attract customers and win their loyalty and then they forget or ignore i I don't know you probably know better why why it happens but i think people don't realize that um, every interaction matters and it's not just the interaction of you walking into a store it is also the interaction on social media on your website if you come in for an interview like we know now that your employer brand is a big part of how people perceive you because your your um, you know your customers can, can become your employees or your employees may end up being one of your best ambassadors of your brand and so I think the lines have really blurred in terms of what brand is and I think that's one reason why talking about brand matters in a way that I think it didn't even before. Yeah, we call that at Ada the brand interaction gap. You know that space between um, what brands you know, the message, usually it's initiated through marketing, the promise that they deliver to market and the expectation that they 
create amongst customers and then, you know, their inability to deliver against that promise every time they interact. You know, so you spend on the logo and the color and the website and the message. And as marketers, we're all over that, right? And then at that point of interaction, especially as you've called out in a digital first world, whether it's on social or in chat or, you know, in, in the tool itself, at that point of interaction, the promise breaks down. That's sort of, it sounds like that's what you're talking about, like good validation that that's the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a brand that is a luxury brand. It's a product that I have and, you know, I paid a premium for it and it wasn't working and, you know, that happened. So I wouldn't say that the brand promise was broken fully at that point, but then I reached out to try to get help and the customer experience from that perspective was so rigid and broken like I really did feel like I was talking to a robot through their website and honestly it has completely changed my opinion of that brand now being a premium brand and and I imagine that uh, nobody on that that marketing team would want to hear that because they've invested so much in cultivating this positioning and reputation yeah there you go. Good example. I think that, you know, luxury brands in particular that have relied on a human first paradigm for so long have struggled in many ways to bring that to the digital world um, at scale. Um, so I want to go back to this idea of employer brand. Um I, so, you know, everyone's talking about this great resignation and uh, understandably how people today care a lot more about the brands that they're working for, not just in terms of their salary and their benefits and their vacation, like all of that's important, but they really care that values should be aligned. Um and we know that it's hard today to attract and retain talent um, and that you have to have a really uh, meaningful recruiting and employee experience. So that's where employer brand plays. Talk to me as a marketer a little bit about that. H how do you achieve that well? Yeah, it's a really interesting area and something where I'm really enjoying partnering with our head of people, either here or in prior roles, on defining how that's shaped and how it's delivered. And I think in most cases, it really is a partnership between marketing and the people team. And I think it comes back to, again, understanding what are your brand pillars. And normally there should be some linkage, if not complete overlap between your corporate brand pillars and your employer brand pillars, but sometimes they can be slightly distinct. And then I think it comes again to looking at all of the different interactions. And so many companies, they focus too much on just what happens after the hire, which is great, but I think you can really shape your employer brand as much through what happens before the hire. So at um, a company at, called audiobooks.com where I worked prior as a marketing leader, we had you know, a real focus on bringing in people who loved books and who loved you know, listening to books. And so we really thought about this through our interview process in the way we wrote the copy for our job postings. And then in the interviews themselves, we always had a sort of a values fit or culture fit exercise that involved them doing a bit of a word game that they had to walk around the office and talk to people and come up with this puzzle. And so to me, this was a way to share how important this was to us uh, beyond just posting it in a sentence or two in a job description. And I think it really showed our personality as a company and did a lot for helping us stand out in the competition amongst so many other people who are trying to hire the same talented people. 
And it makes sense if, you know, as you put, as you said earlier, your employees can be your best brand ambassadors. So you want those values between your corporate brand and your employer brand to be somewhat aligned at least, right? Because, Absolutely. Yeah. I, because that mm-hmm. can really help amplify your brand impact. Um, it can. And I think today also, like employers, employees are so visible because they're posting on social media themselves and whether they like it or not, they are uh, visible to your customers. And so I think it matters even more than it did before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So we've touched on how brand is really the sum of all of those interactions with all of those stakeholders across your company, across digital channels. um, And it informs the customer experience, the employee experience, and should really be consistent along those lines. I want to layer in this idea of scale. Um, And you've got great experience here. Talk, Talk about you know, the role that brand plays as you're growing, and especially if you're growing fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does get harder to uh, deploy your brand experiences as you scale, but I think it comes down to sort of the same choices around wanting to recognize that companies are not these sort of faceless entities and the people that you're working with and serving as customers are human beings. And I think in B2B, we focus so much on the rational side of people's decisions instead of realizing that even for B2B software, people also consider functional, sorry, social and emotional reasons for making those choices as well. And so when you think about scale, I think you might deploy it in more of a scalable way. So again, in the old days, you know, when you were a team of 10, you might have been personally writing emails to every customer, and then eventually you get software to do that for you. Uh, In the same way with chat, of course, just thinking about the way that you are choosing to get in front of those customers, the time in which you're doing that. And then I think copywriting or scripting is also a really big piece of this. You can take something like release notes that are very mundane and turn that into a great brand experience. And in the same way, I think uh, scale shouldn't be a excuse for not still providing a very human and delightful way to communicate with people. Mm. And consistency, I would imagine as well, the bigger you get, the harder it is to ensure brand consistency across all of these touch points. Um, I'm going to start using that. Scale should not be an excuse. You know, you should, this is very much in our DNA at Ada, this idea that as you scale, that personalized, meaningful experience, that, you know, that interaction that leaves you feeling like you've been heard, that you're really important, that you're connected to that brand, scale shouldn't be the reason that that's diminished. And too often it is. Yeah, so important to think about. Um, So it's easy, it's fairly easy to see the link between a positive customer experience and brand growth, but talk a little bit about scale when it comes to the employee experience and brand growth. I think when it comes to the employee experience, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it is still about making sure that every department leader, every person who is involved in hiring and managing people is really clear about what it means to deliver a certain kind of employee experience. And I think scale, it just makes it harder to have those one-to-one connections with people. And so this is why I think it comes down to really 
thinking of it as like a, a web or a tree branch that's going out into the tentacles of an organization and making sure that it's no longer just something that's held with a small group of people inside your company. And I think part of the reason why I think it's so important for employees to be understood as being brand ambassadors is because you cannot control if you have a thousand employees and they're all talking to their friends, they are posting on social networks, you cannot control every single thing that they say and do. So the best thing that you can do is make sure that they're aligned on your values and the way in which that you want to communicate. And I think it's hard. I think it requires a lot of repetition. But I think that there are some companies that do it exceptionally well. And I think it comes down to them making a choice to really invest in this. Mm. And probably even more so in a workforce that's distributed and largely remote, which increasingly is the case these days. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. definitely. I think the job has gotten harder. For sure. So we've covered a lot of really interesting topics. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. But I want to make sure that we get to our lightning round of questions so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit more personally. So I'm just going to fire them at you. Okay. No, no pressure. So what is something that always puts you in a good mood? That was easy. My husband is a super joyful person. So whenever I see him, when he walks in the door after he comes home from work, that always puts me in a good mood. Oh, that is so lovely. I hope he listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you plan to travel next? I plan to travel to Newfoundland next. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. What is a movie or a book or a show that you just keep going back to over and over again? Lately, I've been really loving the newest uh, incarnation of Little Women. Oh, I don't know if you've seen that film. I haven't. I don't know. It just makes, it's just very, I don't know, it's beautifully shot. I love the costumes, the hair, the just everything about it. It's like And a, a classic story. It's a classic story. It puts me in a good mood. Awesome. Dogs, cats, or both? Or neither? Dogs. 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 I want a dog. I've been wanting a dog for a while, but I haven't. Convince my husband yet. <laughs> uh, I'll give you one of mine to babysit for a little while. You might change your mind. <laughs> That's not true. I love my dogs. Um, okay. We kicked off uh, our discussion with uh, the best interaction you've ever had with a brand. So this time, don't name any names. But what is the worst interaction that you've ever had with a brand? It was pretty recently, actually. I was working with a pretty well-known MarTech vendor. And when we decided to cancel our, or not renew our contract, I should say, um, mostly because of COVID actually, and we wanted to potentially come back to them. They made that very, very difficult and really uh, did a few sort of underhanded things where, you know, we would be talking to one person and then a different person would interject with a different kind of message and trying to go over people's heads. It was just one of those uh, experiences that unfortunately made me not want to come back to them afterwards. And I just wish that they had played the long game. Yeah, well, there you go. It's the exact opposite example of what you shared with WestJet, which in this case was a lack of empathy, especially under the circumstances with COVID. 
Um, thank you for sharing. Uh, I also, at the end of these podcasts, like to highlight some of those sort of practical takeaways from the discussion so that listeners can turn it into action. So keep me honest here. We started out, uh, you shared that marketers really have a job, a lot of their job today is being done inside of the organization, even though historically we've thought of it as more of a a publicly facing uh, job. Um, And it starts with defining what the brand is internally and what those brand pillars are for each team and giving, and then even making sure that those pillars are communicated with examples to the different teams so that they can all help shape how, what the brand is and how it's delivered. Um, People want to work in places where there's alignment in terms of mission and culture and values. And this really speaks to the brand. And so you want to make sure that you're investing in your employer brand to attract and retain the talent. And that means a really strong partnership, I liked how you put it, between marketing and the people team to establish that. Um, One of the things you talked about is that uh, the brand can propel your company's growth by connecting emotionally with all of the people that care about it, both customers and employees. And there are social and emotional reasons why people make choices. It's not just about what your logo looks like. Um, Even in B2B SaaS companies, people are making buying decisions based on how the brand makes them feel. And that's really where the brand can shine. And then I think this was my favorite takeaway that I'm definitely going to use with my own team. Scale and growth should not be an excuse to stop providing personalized, meaningful, consistent brand experiences with all of your stakeholders, whether those are prospects or customers or employees. Did I get all of that right? Yeah. Wow. You did a great job. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So thank you so much, Amrita, for being on the show with me. Um, Tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Sure. So there's two places online where I spend way too much time. One is LinkedIn, and you can just find me by searching for Emrita Gurney. And then I'm also on Twitter. My handle is Emrita Gurney, all one word. Awesome. Well, I follow <clears throat> I follow you in both places. You always share interesting posts. Uh, listeners can find me as well on LinkedIn, Ruth Zive, where I share posts that are not quite as interesting, but hopefully a little <laughs> bit. Um Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Now Brands Talk. You can subscribe to hear more conversations with CX leaders wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Now Brands Talk, a podcast by Ada. Stay connected by subscribing to the show, leaving us a rating and comment, and emailing us your feedback and questions at podcast at ada.support. Your support and feedback ensure future episodes will address your interests with fresh discussion and insight about how brands talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time.